Welcome to How to Get a Job College Student Edition, the podcast for first-generation and minority college students. Each episode will feature topics such as highlights from students who have completed the Mastering College to Career Mentoring Program, networking opportunities, and unique insights from industry thought leaders. So if you're looking for your guide to success, you're in the right place. Welcome, 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 welcome back to this episode. We're actually doing this episode live, and we have Faria with me today, and I'm super excited. So welcome back to the How to Get a Job podcast. Faria, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to be here, excited to talk personal branding. It's been a good week. Yeah, I am super excited. Uh, I've been following your content on LinkedIn, which is amazing. I love um, just how open you are and how you share your experience. And I think that's such an amazing, and I really love what you're doing. You're the founder of the Cohort Collective. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So the entire purpose of building the Cohort Collective is to decentralize career development for Gen Y plus Z. Because my my own stint on LinkedIn, my own journey has showed me that a lot of students, a lot of young professionals don't really have access to these resources to accelerate within their own career development. So the whole purpose is to advocate career development for young professionals, focusing on marginalized communities, trying to get them to understand the mindset and the skill set that it takes to really accelerate your career development. And that's what we're doing. I love it. And what encouraged you or motivated you to want to start this? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. So the entire conception of the cohort collective actually came from a viral post that I made on LinkedIn. So I actually shared my own stories with respect to unpaid internships. I talked about how I just didn't know enough about the job market to really stand out as a, an intern, as a young professional. So I kind of got pulled down into this rabbit hole of unpaid internships. I wasn't being valued. I wasn't you know, being shown my worth. So after that post went viral, I just had this onslaught of students and young professionals come out to me and just ask me for help. And I realized that there's a massive gap here between what we need and where we want to be with respect to career development for young professionals. And it was because of that viral post, because of a lot of my community reaching out to me for help, that I decided to give them what they need, which is essentially support. So that's really the conception of this entire company. It, it's crazy because it just really did develop over a short period of time because of social media. But I think it's a great platform to realize where the gaps are in our community and try to do what we can to advocate for the communities that need a little support. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I remember I tell this story a lot, right? I think we have something in common where I'm, we're also focusing on, on trying to help um, the same demographics. And I, I remember going to school and I'm a first generation minority low income student, right? And so I went to community college first, to be honest, didn't even apply. Like I'm a high school student. I didn't know that I needed to take my SAT when I'm a junior. Like I have no idea none of this, right? Like, I'm not getting yeah. any guidance. So um, I wasn't the smartest student, but I also wasn't like my GPA was always been in between a 2.8 to a 3.1 and, and everything I did, right? And so I went to community college. The community college by my house is called uh, is called Valencia College. So if you're from Valencia, I have I do a lot of speaking there. So I know sometimes they watch my live. So, but we used to literally call it Kirkman High. It's probably still called that. It's, it felt like you're still going to co- uh, high school. And for the first two semesters of my college uh, education, I was actually taking remedial classes to get me to uh, a college level in math and English. 
But what really made it really difficult for me is my mom never going to school, right? And I remember getting it. I was a sophomore. I was like, hey, I want to do some internships. And I'm, I'm super excited about this. And I, I, I get an internship. But my first paid internship, my, my first internship was unpaid. And to be honest, I didn't mind it. I saw it as an investment. And I know that you have a different opinion about that. And we can talk about that. But um, but I remember going to my mom super excited because I'm like, here, I'm a junior. Most people don't get internships in their junior year. And I go to my mom and I tell my mom, like, mom, guess what? And she goes, what? I'm like, I got an internship. And she's like, great. What does that mean? I'm like, well, an internship just means I get it. I'm doing something that's related to my major where I can gain some experience. Her first question was, great. How much do they pay you? And I go, it's an internship. It's free. And like back then, pretty much every internship was free. So this is back in 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. And she goes, free? Are you an idiot? You're taking it. You're getting taken advantage by an American. Because I, again, I'm not from here. I moved here like when I was eight years old. Like, and literally, she made me feel like that was the worst decision I could make. She was like, "Your friends are over there working at L House, which is like a sports bar, right? Uh, being servers, like making good money, and you're gonna do and work for free. Like, what are you doing, right?" And it really gave me a lot of self-doubt if I was even doing the right way. And look, by no means do I think my mom meant harm by this. Like, my mom wants the best for me. Mm-hmm. But her advice would have really hurt me if I would have took it. Because that internship led to me getting my second internship, which was paid. My third internship, which was paid. Which ultimately le- le- led to me getting a job with a Fortune 50 company and a great management training company. Uh, and I don't know that I... Like it may be a domino effect. I, I I think that it had to do a lot with my first internship. It was just kind of like a stepping stone. But if I were to listen to my mom in that scenario, I think it would have hurt me. And I see that there's a lot of advice that um, students like that I work with their first generation minority students and international students that are getting from people that love them, but it's actually hurting them more than helping them. Mm-hmm. And you bring up a really valid point, which is essentially the other side of this argument, you know, can unpaid internships be helpful? Now, I'm going to side with your mom on this one, because when it comes to unpaid internships, you have to acknowledge a certain level of privilege. You were able to do that because you can afford not being paid. You could afford to live your life the way that it was before without actually being paid for your work. So you were able to actually create this experience and it almost was like you said that domino effect and it helped you get your next internship and then your next one and it was paid and now you have a full-time role and you're essentially accelerating your career development but i try to advocate for the populations that cannot afford that because the the population that essentially doesn't have that level of privilege they're the ones that being that are being preyed upon. They're the ones that all these companies, they're circling like vultures. They want to target these people who are desperate for experience. And they can't necessarily compete with paid internships. Either they aren't available or they don't have enough experience for an internship. But well, hold on, because I would tell you, I came, it's not that I could afford doing the internship. I had to choose to get extra student loans that semester mm-hmm. to get an internship, right? I, um, my mom was making less than $2,000 a month. I remember she, she would get $1,000 went to rent and $1,000 went for everything else. My mom worked seven days a week for 15 years straight, no vacation. She worked for a small business, no benefits, no 401k, no health insurance, nothing, right? 
Um, and that was the time that she was giving me that advice. And at that time, I remember that I, 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 I was still working on nights and weekends at Universal Studios, but I was still doing the internship. Now, obviously, would have been easier if my parents could pay for me or help me financially when I was doing it? Yes. But I also think that because I didn't have to help, that that level of grit and determination has made me a better person because of it long term. Yeah. And you know what? That's a fair point when it comes to personal and professional development. A lot of people say you need that kind of sacrifice. You need to go through that kind of grit to become the person that you are today. But I think it's also important to never forget your worth. So when it comes to unpaid internships, you talked about student loans. That, again, is a place of privilege. A lot of these students don't even apply for student loans. They don't have the possibility or the ability to do so. They don't qualify, it's not available. So when it comes to privilege, it comes in many different factors. And my point is when it comes to unpaid internships as a whole, there is a level of privilege attached to it, even for someone like you who is a first-gen immigrant, whose mom had to work, who you had to work yourself just to get your way through that internship. So now I ask you, and I think it'll be interesting to kind of reflect a little bit on that time in your life. Mm -hmm. So you, you chose to do that internship and it did lead to this domino effect. But what if you had listened to your mom? Let's say you didn't pursue that internship and you really tried to go for something that was paid, that did kind of give you what your value was. What, what are your thoughts on going through that alternate path? What do you think might have happened? So I don't know, right? But we can we can assume, right? We can definitely assume. I think that I wouldn't have gotten an internship until my junior or, or senior year, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that those internships might have been paid, right? Uh, it still probably wouldn't have been paid as much as I was would be making at Universal because I was making some commission. I was doing some sort of sales job. Um, I also just think that it's just a lack of, and, and this is what I think that our job is, or my job at least, it's, it's a lack of knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. And guidance. Because one, I didn't know that there was other things outside. I, I thought internships were free, mm -hmm. right? Whether that should have been the college telling me or I should have researched it myself, right? Like I, I, I would take the blame on that one. I just didn't know. I also think Honestly, uh, I wouldn't even blame you for that. I would blame the system for that. Yeah, and that's, sure. that's a big reason why we do what we do with right. this, the career coaching. Yeah. So I, I, I like, and, and so even going back, so I, I even, I'm going to answer with a different example. When I graduated university of central Florida, I got a job at PepsiCo making $60,000 a year. This is back in 2012. Mm -hmm. I was beyond ecstatic, right? Beyond ecstatic. I thought that that was a lot of money and it was life-changing money. I mean, my mom, I, I grew up seeing my mom making 20 and I'm over here making, or like 25,000, 24,000. I'm over here making double that, right? So without a doubt, I'm super excited. Now looking back at it and now helping people get jobs all over the country, all over North America, all over the world, all types of companies, right? I'm, I've helped students with a bachelor's degree make over $120,000, right? And so like, I was like, I'm like, man, I didn't even know this job existed, right? Like, wow, like, yeah. I thought my job at PepsiCo was good. Now, no offense, PepsiCo people, I love y'all still, but that industry does not pay as well as tech, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why would I have just done the same job at Google or Facebook or Microsoft? I would have got paid 100K plus, same mm -hmm. job, 
just sales, managing people. Like, come on now. But it's because I didn't know, right? And, and, and I think that is one of the biggest benefits of working with a career coach is they have this, they've seen what the market is because they work with other people and they know, hey, you're selling a short short. It's like, and I think that if I would have had that, right, whether it was my fault, the system's fault, I just, the reality is like, because of that, that if I would have had someone that said, Daniel, don't take that paid internship. Like here's top 10 paid, in, like level entry internships. Or Daniel, did you know that Google, Facebook, I, uh, Microsoft, IBM actually wants to recruit minority people and there's internships for lower classmen, for freshmen and sophomores that are for minority people only that pay like $25 an hour. Did you know that? I'm like, nope, didn't know. Where's to apply? Oh, no one else applies. So I get the job because no one's applying for that. Like, I think it's a lack of knowledge. I think exactly. that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so that's that's the entire purpose of, I think, what we do in general. Because when people talk about unpaid internships, it always becomes almost a head-on head battle. You know, is it unpaid? Should we do paid? So it becomes this contrast, you know, like yin and yang, where we should really be talking about the gap that exists. Yeah. Because unpaid internships are never going to go away. And paid internships are also never going to go away. But over time, that trend might change. It might go more towards paid. It might go more towards unpaid. But the thing it, what, that we have to focus on is that gap. How do we create a system where we can communicate this knowledge with students that might not know any better? So they can make the decision themselves. It's not about paid or unpaid. You know, I'm for unpaid. Uh, uh, you might be, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm for uh, unpaid. You are for unpaid. But it really, it, it kind of, I think, deviates from the actual issue, which is focusing on that gap. How yeah. do we create a system where we can communicate the knowledge, communicate the skills, the mindsets that these students need in order to make their own decisions. Yeah. Because at the time you said you didn't know, you didn't know any better. So you just picked unpaid because it was there. It was right in front of you. I did the same thing. I didn't know any better. And my unpaid internship was across the damn sea. I got to travel to the UK to do it. And I was like, I can't say no to that. So I paid for everything. I paid for my stay there. I paid for travel, yeah. paid for absolutely everything. I was absolutely broke at the end of it. But you know what? For me, that experience with respect to unpaid internship, I loved it more because of the culture. I got to go, I got to be independent. I got to just experience new things, foreign things. And I'm someone that kind of lives off of that. I like right. exploring things beyond my own comfort zone. And I think that is something that internships in general do for students, whether they're paid or unpaid. But that decision-making, that's where we should really focus a lot of our conversation on to make sure that people who are making these decisions can make a thoroughly... Yep well-structured, well-defined, well-researched decision. And I think that's generally, you know, why our our uh, firms even exist in the first place. It's why you do career coaching. It's why I do career coaching to try to equip Gen Y, try to equip Gen Z with the knowledge that they need to make the right decisions for themselves. Because again, it's about the system. It's not about the end goal. It's not about paid versus unpaid. It's about how can we de, de structure the system to try to make it a little bit better for students. Yeah, I think a lot about that. And and, and I'm going to use this as a, as a transition to the topic, um, which is uh, the power of personal branding. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think about when I was in school and me trying. So I went to the University of Central Florida. One of, if, if, 
one of the largest universities in, in the United States. It has over 70,000 students, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember just thinking, okay, not everybody, it's not a, let's say at least 10,000 people are graduating from the university a year out of 70,000, right? Like, um, how am I going to stand out versus 10,000 people, right? Like, it's like, yeah. there's definitely no new 10,000 jobs available every year in Orlando, Florida. So mm -hmm. I need to do something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember thinking about that. And on the flip side, I remember going and being at PepsiCo. So I was in their management training program. And I remember sitting in a meeting and the, the leadership team, it was a quarterly meeting that talked about how they weren't going to hit their recruitment goal. So the whole region, which is the Southeast region of the United States, recruited from five different schools, like the University of Miami, University of Florida, University of Central Florida, University of Georgia, uh, I'm missing a school, probably FSU, Florida, Florida State University. Anyways, and I added, I'm like, okay, they need to hire 20 people for their management training program. There's five schools, 10,000, there's 50,000 students that can potentially get this job. There's 20. How is this company that's well-known globally can't find 20 people, right? And so I'm like, this makes no sense because when I was a student, I was freaking out and now the companies are freaking out. So there's a miscommunication gap, right? Mm -hmm. Um which is why um, I think that it comes down to that. This is why like, I, I stand by this phrase in it is that visibility actually becomes more important than ability when it comes to getting your first job. Right. Because with that. there's 50,000 people that they can hire for that job. Maybe not all 50,000 would want to work at PepsiCo. Let's just say 10,000. Let's let's cut them all out. Right. Let, let's even say 5,000. 1% of them wants to work at PepsiCo, like 5,000 people that you can still do it. What are the odds that they hired the most qualified 20 people? And I would tell you probably slim to none. And so the reason, I'm, so then my question was always why? So who did they hire, who they not? And it comes down to visibility, Absolutely. right? I had visibility because I've networked, right? I had built relationships. I showed interest by going to the info sessions and, and I just literally was, I outworked what I didn't have in grades. I outworked, like I built relationships. I used, I used networking to get there. I used personal branding to get there. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why I think a lot about like, how do I help first generation minority international students, right? Like that's who I primarily focus on working with and how do we get them visibility? And to me, that's personal branding. But what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Visibility is massive, especially if you do fall within marginalized communities because you're already facing so many systemic biases and you have to overcome them. And visibility in terms of personal branding is a great way to do that, just to show who you are within your audience. And on top of that, I would also say the ability to sell yourself is so key, not just at the beginning of your career, but throughout your entire career development, the better that you can sell yourself, the more that you can actually evolve over time. And you're right, it's not always about being the most qualified, it's about being the most visible and being the best at communicating your worth. And when you put the two together, that's really the key foundation of personal branding, of selling yourself using a digital platform within your audience. So that does a couple things. One, it helps you stand out because not a lot of people have personal brands. 
especially students. And honestly, I don't even blame students for that. It's not something that's taught in schools. It's something that they kind of learn over time if they're lucky, if they trip up on LinkedIn and they start to see that this is something that's valuable. And two, it fills in that gap that you were mentioning earlier where companies are trying to hire and students want a job, but then there's this mismatch. You know, there are open roles, but they're not being filled. Why is that? Well, it's because of that lack of communication, the lack of visibility. So creating a personal brand where you can sell yourself in a digital platform where you have so much reach, where you have so many eyes looking at you is an incredible way to stand out as as a, someone who is a young professional, especially as someone who might fall into a mar marginalized group. Yeah, I, I agree. And and that is something that I wish I would have started earlier, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's just building on that personal brand, whether is it just to use it to get a job, or is it to use it to meet really amazing individuals and build my network, or is it even to start my business, right? And how that's helped um, in the long term. I'm a firm believer that uh, that like we are all million dollar brands, right? Like if we just think about how we graduate and you get a job that that um, you make fifty thousand dollars and you work for twenty years, you made a million dollars in your career. And so, are you treating yourself with as a million dollar brand? And I think most of us are not. Most of us are not even really thinking about a not having a brand or two when we are we're just posting or we're doing things without any strategy or without really thinking through what are the effects or how does this help or hurt my image because whether you have a strategy or not every time you post or anytime you comment or anytime you do something it is building on your brand right mm -hmm. we all have a brand and that brand might be not having one mm -hmm. and and when it comes to personal branding i'm going to branch off of what you said that a lot of people just don't kind of get it. So I think the first thing to really do here is break that mentality. Like, I don't get it. I don't think it's valuable. What, what's even the point? So the first thing that really someone who is a young professional that wants to create a personal brand is to kind of shift that mindset and to understand the value behind personal branding. And once you understand the value, you can actually be more strategic about it. Well, what can I do to align myself with a certain narrative? How can I communicate my message over time? So when it comes to breaking that mindset of, you know, who cares about personal branding, you know, I want to share my own story here with respect to how personal branding affected my development and evolution over time. Because I would say I'm one of those very, very, very few people, probably like 2% of the student population that got really lucky and realized how valuable a personal brand is when I was a student. And the reason for that is because I'm very, very picky when it comes to just social media in general. I have to have things be perfect. I have to have a solid image. I have to have like a solid banner, solid narrative, color scheme, copies, like everything. You know, I'm, I'm like very, very particular about that. And so just as a result, what ended up happening when I was like a second year student, my LinkedIn was polished. My LinkedIn was probably better than 50% of other students out there, other adults out there. I had everything on there that I needed to have. It had a story behind it. It had a narrative behind it. I didn't even post on LinkedIn, but I already had a brand. And that brand was synonymous across the internet. If you're talking about LinkedIn, 
We're talking about Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, whatever it was, whatever platform I was in, I had myself established on that brand. It was polished and it had a theme to it. And what ended up happening for me as literally like a 19 year old is I became headhunted. I was headhunted for my first role and I was a student. I was like trying to figure out how to do homework and like focusing on my midterms. And suddenly I would get these messages from recruiters saying, hey, we, we saw your profile. We think you'd get great fit for this internship program. And that blew my mind because I'm from Winnipeg, which is like the smallest city in Canada. It's in Manitoba. No one really knows about us except from like the office where Steve like Carell mentioned us one time in one episode. But for me, someone who lives in this like unknown city to the world to actually be headhunted at 19 years old when I'm a student, that really opened my eyes. And I was like, damn, like this is a real thing. This can happen to anyone. This doesn't just have to happen to like C-suite level people. It can happen to someone like me who comes from a marginalized community, who is an immigrant, who lives in an unknown city. And all I did that was different was just put myself online. I just polished my LinkedIn and suddenly I had recruiters hitting me up and saying that I would be a good fit for their company. And that's how I got all my roles. All my roles post-grad, including an internship, came from LinkedIn. And now I'm on my third role after graduation right now. And two of them have come from LinkedIn where I've been, I've been headhunted. And the other one was an internship where I wouldn't even know about it if I wasn't on LinkedIn, if I didn't just scroll through my feed and randomly find this position and I inquired about it and then I got it. So I think my story is an example of going with the momentum. So when you find something and you're like, oh damn, like this is working, just pursue it. It might be something that might make you uncomfortable. It might be something that's against the norm, but I think that's something that always can help you evolve over time. And for me, that was my personal brand. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I think it's amazing. I, I don't know that many people would argue the importance of personal branding, but I think what, in, at least in my perspective of how I had the conversations with my students, mentees, and clients is, okay, I get it, Daniel. Personal branding is important. Mm -hmm. I just don't know where to start. It's just intimidating. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have? Yeah, for sure. I think honestly, when it comes to personal branding, it is much more a personal development as it is like tangible strategies. You need to be able to really like tailor yourself to become more confident in your ability to share online and become more resilient because when you're online, there are eyes on you. You need to be able to almost overcome that kind of spotlight so that you can continue to share your message online without being apprehensive almost. So I would say it definitely is as much of a mind game as it is physical strategies to build your personal brand. So let's talk about some things that have really, I would say, helped me when it comes to building your personal brand. And the first thing is really to identify your voice. What is it that you want to align yourself with? What is it that you want to talk about? online. And identifying that voice is going to help you build your own narrative. So my narrative online is to just share stories. It's to empower Gen Y plus Z by sharing the stories that I've been through in my own life so that I can share 
the things that went wrong, what I learned from them, and what you can do to overcome your own impediments. That's my voice. That's my narrative. And that helps me pursue my brand online. It helps me overcome that anxiety of people watching me. It helps me create ideas of what kind of content I should create. So the first thing is to figure out what that voice is. What kind of narrative do you want online? Now, I think what'd be cool is to hear what your voice is and how you actually came upon it when, when you started on LinkedIn. So can you tell me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think what you're saying is so important because before I go into what my voice is, it's like if you try to be everything to everybody, you become nothing to everybody, right? Like yeah. if you make everything a priority, nothing becomes a priority. So mm -hmm. when you can't go into building a personal brand thinking you're going to be everything to everyone, right? Like none of us here are saying, hey, we're career experts for everybody. Mm -hmm. exactly. All demographics, all the entry level, senior uh, people in Canada, people in China, people in India, people in, in the UK. Like, so we have to have targeting, right? So it's a lot of the marketing concepts that you learn for when you're marketing a business, mm -hmm. you're marketing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what I, what I learned is that I, I can't try, I, I needed to actually go an inch wide and a mile deep. And so I can't just try to be that expert in all aspects of career or all aspects mm -hmm. of helping students. So I needed to narrow that down. So I started with narrowing it down to helping college students. Why college students? Because that's what I knew, right? So I'm not going to try to help CEOs get jobs because I've never done that. I didn't get a job, right? I had to create my own company, right? So I, I couldn't do that. And then when I was within helping, you're like, all right, well, Daniel, you, you narrow it down. You're helping college students. I'm like, well, that's not even enough. I have to narrow it down even more. And that is helping specifically seniors and recent grads so only two-year gap seniors and within one year of graduation and then even in, more specifically first generation minority and international students mm -hmm. so i even narrow it down and why did i pick those people because that was me because mm -hmm. i know their pain point and i know how they feel and that can relate to them mm -hmm. because what it comes to this right what, what what's really important about building a brand and then ultimately building a brand that then generates relationships and generates job opportunities and stuff like that is it comes down to building relationships right mm -hmm. and the key to relationships starts out with commonality right if the more i have in common with you the better the easier it is for us to get along so me and you have a lot in common we're both very passionate about helping the same people we're both very passionate about career we're both very passionate about personal branding which allows us to connect and even how we start, we, we've been doing this live for 30 minutes now. And, and before that, we've only spoke for five minutes. Mm -hmm. But it seems like we know each other for a long time. For anybody who's watching, it's because we have so much in common. Exactly. And so I think that's how I started. To me, it was more about understanding that I can't speak to everybody, that I need to just speak to a specific individual. Yeah. I need to speak to, to, to their needs, to their pain points, and understand and stories. What you said was amazing, stories. People don't remember statistics. People only remember stories and people don't remember what you say. It remembers how, what, how you made them feel. And so um, I think that that's long story short, I guess that's where I was going for. I think that's kind of how I started. I, I started doing my career coaching and talking about that on my LinkedIn to the people that were like me, that went through the problems that I went to. I essentially started saying, what would I wish I knew when I was in college? Yeah, 
Exactly. And there's a saying that says, you know, become the person that you wish you had when you needed someone there. And I think a lot of our narratives can resonate with that because when you can find your voice, then your entire brand becomes a reflection of yourself. And yeah. when you can do that, when you can be authentic, when you can share your story, then you're going to start attracting audiences that can resonate with that story. And that can lead to so many opportunities, not just job opportunities, but just networking in general. You can meet so many different kinds of people. And I'm so honestly appreciative of my own brand because I've gotten to meet so many people who have become my own mentors. And I've had the privilege to be a mentor for students that want to want to do what I am right now, that want to evolve with a certain respect of their lifestyle. So I think it's so important, like I said, with respect to that storytelling, to be able to share what you know online and honestly being as authentic as you can with respect to your voice. And if we're going to talk about like tangible strategy for a second, because I think that's something that a lot of students really want. They're like, yeah, like you can talk about the goal and the dream, but what's something that I could do right now that's going to help me? And I think something that anyone who wants to do personal branding right now can do is learn copywriting. Mm -hmm. If you can create good copies, if you can create those words in the order, in order to intrigue an audience, retain an audience and convert an audience, then you're really going to explode with respect to your own personal brand. You're going to grow as a creator and it all comes down to copywriting. Now, it doesn't matter if you're going to do video, if you're going to do audio, if you're going to do text, copies matter everywhere. And you need to know how to process your own thoughts. You need to know what you're thinking about and how to translate it, translate it on paper. And if you can do that correctly, then personal branding is going to be an incredible exercise for you to develop that ability to communicate complex things and distill them so that your audience can digest them. So I think that is one very tangible strategy that I think has been really effective for me as someone who does mostly text content. And I think it'll be helpful for anyone that's trying to evolve their personal brand. No, absolutely. I, I think uh, it's copywriting is, I don't know, it doesn't matter what you went to school for, copywriting, if that's a skill that if you can master, you'll never need to look for a job in your life. Like that is so important. Um, it is so crucial to your all message. Um, yeah. And think about that. Honestly, copywriting applies everywhere, not mm -hmm. just on LinkedIn, not just your personal brand, but on resumes, on cover letters. It comes down to that pillar again, you know, being able to sell yourself. If you can sell yourself in your resume or in your cover letter, you are already standing apart as a young professional. So it really does apply everywhere when it comes to copywriting. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're getting towards the end and then we can then open up for some Q&A. I saw a couple of questions in the chat, but for, for the podcast purposes, any, what's your, anything that anybody, that, someone who's listening to this podcast right now um, and you want them to remember one main thing or, or take away one thing from, from this conversation, what would you hope that would be? For anyone listening, I think the one takeaway that I would like to communicate to the audience is to just keep going, especially when it comes to personal brands, because it's not going to be easy. It's not going to 
start rolling for you at the beginning, you're going to have to keep at it for quite a while. For me, I didn't really see any results until like five months in. I went through five months with completely dry engagement, but I kept going and then I suddenly got this momentum and I wrote it. So for anyone listening that wants to create a personal brand, on top of you know creating your voice, creating your theme, learning to copyright, none of that matters if you just can't keep going. So consistency here becomes really important. Your, your ability to persevere is really key to actually growing online and start to identify these opportunities in the future. I love it. I love it. Um, if people enjoyed your, our conversation, they'll actually want to learn a little bit more about you and what you do. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Oh, that's a good question. I'm online everywhere. So just Google me. But if you really want to talk to me, uh, LinkedIn is probably the best bet. You know, send me a connection request. Personalize the invite. First of all, you know, just say you're from this this conversation. Say you're from the the live or the podcast. So I know who you are. And yeah, that's probably the best way. You know, I'm I, I'm on Instagram. I'm on, got my website if you want to learn more about me. And if you need career coaching, then reach out at thecohortcollective.com because that is my career coaching firm. I will be putting all the uh, information on the show notes. Um, and then I'll actually put it at the end in, the, in some comments so that anybody can click on it. So um, thank you Love all it. so much for listening to the podcast. And We'll actually end the conversation here, but not necessarily on the live, but for the podcast. But we'll actually have some Q&A for a couple of minutes. Um, so I'm going to actually put some of these comments here. Um, so how do you deal with conflicting advice regarding your personal brand? I believe I'm personable and, I'm, and, I'm, and I have fun with what I do. And I believe that that's my most authentic self. I reached out to a few recruiters who work at a bigger companies like Fang to review my profile, and they said it doesn't look as professional. My profile, uh, my banner, the things I post about, I get a little discouraged. On the other hand, people like you and Daniel keep encouraging me to, to encouraging me to be my most authentic self. It's actually here. Um, should I be pro, uh, projecting a more strategic version of myself to attract these recruiters? Wow, that's a really good question, honestly. My personal opinion when it comes to a personal brand is that it needs to reflect who you are. So if you are conjuring this mask and you're showcasing the mask online, then you're going to attract people that are attracted to a fake version of you. And I don't know if I would want to work at a company where I constantly have to wear a mask. So honestly, I advocate for being you online. And if there are people out there that don't like that, then for me, that's a great red flag. That means you're not good enough for me because you don't like me for the way I am, for the way I'm showing myself online. So I think being who you are online is a great way to almost funnel out people who can't resonate with you. And then you'll end up attracting companies that are much more tailored for who you are and what you want to do. So my personal advice, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Don't listen to random fang recruiters. They don't have any power over you. Yeah. Um, Shrey, and, and I know Shrey is actually someone that's in my mentoring program. And mm -hmm. so I'm a little more familiar with the situation. And in, in, here's my advice to, to you. Be authentically you. To, 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 to your point, uh, what you just shared was amazing, right? You're going to turn off some people. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some recruiters that might not like it. They might say it's not professional enough. 
But I promise you, there's going to be other recruiters that will absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And that might be the recruiter that gets that opens the door to one of your fan companies. Another thing I want to mention is that you probably have more in common with the people that actually do the job than the recruiters itself. Right. And so don't worry. Instead of reaching out to recruiters to review your profile, reach out to the hiring managers to review your profile. You probably have more commonality with them. And, and same thing, you if they don't like it, I'm glad that they told you. And that, that's not the place you want to work at. Not the team, not the company. It might not be the, I'm not saying that every, every hiring manager is the same. And every hiring manager can speak for all companies, especially when you're talking about companies with 10,000 plus employees. Like, that's not fair. But that's why there's so many different hiring managers that you can speak to. But be yourself. Be authentically you. Don't fake your don't fake your personal brand. Don't fake your interview because what you're gonna do? You're gonna fake it when you get the job. Like that's not good for you or them, right? Because they're hiring this person, and this person walks in the door, and it's like, okay, well, that's not who we interviewed. Uh, so they both feel like they got catfish. You feel like you have to fake it, and it's just not a win-win situation. So I would just say, sure, this this might take you a little bit longer because you are are essentially taking yourself off the race in a couple of uh, opportunities long term this will be the best decision of your life mm -hmm. i love that question by the way it's yeah question. um is personal branding synonymous for influencer or what is the difference when it comes to creating context and engagement that's a really interesting question too I've never thought about the connection between personal branding and being an influencer. Now, for me, I would say that personal branding is more of a strategy, whereas influencer is just more of a role. Now, a lot of influencers have a strong personal brand. It's why they become the status of being an influencer. But I don't think the goal here is to proclaim yourself as an influencer. I think personal branding is a, has a very specific strategy. You know, we talked about it. We talked about identifying your voice, identifying your narrative, learning how to attract the correct audience by copywriting skills. So these are all strategies. Personal branding in itself is a strategy to achieve a certain goal. For influencers, they're using their personal brand to become an influencer, someone who might be this the face person for a certain brand or a certain initiative for you it depends on your goal personal branding is a strategy but what do you want at the end of it do you want to become an influencer as well or is your goal to network is your goal to find the right opportunity the right jobs to develop in your career to develop in your personal development so i would say personal branding and influencer are two different things but they are related. You know, personal branding is much more, at least in my opinion, the strategy. And influencer is just one of the results of personal branding. What do you think about that, Daniel? I'm thinking a lot about it. That's a great question. That's from Karen. Uh, yeah. Karen is also part of our, the mentoring program. And that's like, wow, that's that's a that's a great question. Mm -hmm. I'm really trying to think about what is an influencer. And when I think about an influencer, I joke around. My, my wife spends the, her morning routine is, is scrolling through Instagram and TikTok. And she's she buys stuff for our house based on recommendations mm. for people she follows. Influencer. Yeah. yeah. So I think about what influencer is, and it's just people that influence your 
influence your actions, whether it's shopping, whether it's a, a, a routine, whether it's working out, whether it's doing something. Mm-hmm. And I think your personal brand does influence and you want to influence people. It just might be a more of a micro level because I do want my personal brand to influence students to reach out to me. I do want your personal brand to reach uh, to have recruiters or hiring managers to reach out to you. So mm-hmm. I do want your brand to influence, mm-hmm. but it might be differently. Your your brand, Karen, might not be about having people to influence them to buy something or to do a, a different routine. Your brand might be to influence to hire you. So you are wanting to influence. So I, I guess that's how I see. It. I think you just have to understand what is your objective. What do you want your brand okay. to be? Like if you go to my link, like. If you message me on LinkedIn saying, hey, Daniel, are you open for a new job? I would be like, you obviously didn't read my LinkedIn. I, I can, right? Like that's now. And I think that's where that, that's what I'm currently trying to do, right? Is build a business and help people. And it's not have nothing to do about helping. It's about me getting a job. Mm-hmm. So I talk a lot about my branding on my LinkedIn. My personal brand on LinkedIn has nothing to do with me sh- showcasing my sales skills, because that's what I did for six years at PepsiCo, right? So it's changes and I have a different goal. Uh, and so I do, going back to Karen's question, I do think we are all influencers. You're an influencers to your little brother, to your big sister, or to your aunt, like to your nephews, to your nieces, yeah. um, to the students in your, in, your, in your student organization that are recently joined, right? So you are influencing. You might not be influencing a million people on Instagram, Mm-hmm. But we are, I think we're all micro influencers. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it too, for sure. Yeah. I feel like it all kind of depends on uh, on your definition of influencer. So, yeah. Um, Robert, uh, he said, you have to build trust before you can influence. People buy from people they like. Absolutely. And it's the same yeah. thing for your career. You have to post and you have to do things on your profile that will allow you to build trust with the recruiters or hiring manager. They say, hey, that person, I know that if I bring that person to the role, they can they, they can grow the business or they can save us money. Like they can solve the need that we currently need. And you you build trust. I think personal branding and, and, and building your brand, what it does is it allows you to build relationships without speaking. Right? I don't need to have a conversation with you before this podcast to know what you're about because your brand already spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's what it does. It allows us to have conversations with other people that we've never met and have them get to know us. And I think that's super powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Shway with another question. Awesome. Um, how much should you invest in your personal brand in terms of time and finances? I know the answer is probably it depends on each person, but I want to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Yeah, Shway's coming in with great questions here. In terms I think of, you should be one of the persons who wins your one-on-one. What's that? I vote for Shway for the one-on-one that you're you're going to give. Shway's got it. You got it. I love it. Yay! <laughs> okay, now this is a great question. In terms of time and finances, I don't invest in my personal brand with respect to finances. And the, the main thing that comes to mind when I think about finances is to hire a freelancer for creating whatever type of, of design you might want attributed to you. 
hiring people to create the copies, hiring people for the marketing strategy, hiring people for UX, UI, whatever you might associate your brand with. So the reason I don't do those things, I don't outsource anything that might cost money is because I want to learn those things. I want to learn how to build my own personal brand from the ground up because I think those skill sets are really important to have. So I don't invest anything in terms of finance other than tools I might need. Maybe I need a subscription for my newsletter or maybe I need a microphone for my podcasts. Um, I ordered one and it didn't come in on time. So now we're stuck with this audio, deal with it. It's not bad, it's not bad. <laughs> and so now let's talk about time because I do invest a lot with respect to time. I don't really time box it, meaning that I don't set aside any time to just create my personal brand because I really see it as a live process. You know, it's constantly adapting and evolving over time. So what I do sometimes, you know, every two or three months is I kind of look at my own content and I look at what kind of trajectory it's going towards. Am I talking more about personal development? Am I talking more about career development? Am I focusing more on a certain issue? And I, I use that evolution over time to start updating my branding. So right now, what I do is I'll share all these stories with respect to Gen Y plus Z development. I didn't start that way. When I started, I talked about engineering. So all my branding was focused on engineering and now it's changed over time. So the, the investment is there with respect to time. You need to put the time in to almost identify where you're gonna go and start planning the changes, start planning the content. But uh, finances, you know, I don't personally think it's necessary, but if it's something you want to outsource, then that's a decision you have to make. So I, I have a different spin on this. So and this is why okay. we were talking before. This is awesome, right? Um, I think I, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of Benjamin Franklin's quote. Uh, Benjamin Franklin once quoted, he said, uh, investing in your education pays the best dividends. Right. I also don't think that the only time you get education is from school. So I actually think don't let school get in the way of your education. Mm -hmm. So my answer to you is I think there's this there's this two ends of the spectrum. You either have all the time in the world or you have all the money in the world and you're somewhere in between. So when we're born, we have all the time in the world, but we're born broke. Right. Like, like let's take away your family, take away anything. Right. And generally, the idea is that throughout your life, you become old. Right. And you have a lot of money, but you can't buy time. Right? You mm -hmm. run out of time, but you have a bunch of money. And find you find a way in the middle to start trading your money for time or time for money. So a lot of our first jobs that we have, we're trading our time for money. We're paying, we're getting paid hourly, right? And then later on in our career, we actually don't. We're not trading our time for money anymore. We're trading, uh, we're trading money for results, right? Now, how does this have to do with personal branding? It has a lot to do with personal branding. You have to figure out, do you either have a lot of time or do you have a lot of money? And you can get both. You can get the same results. You can build a personal brand with not a lot of time if you invest a lot of money on ads, right? Just as an example, you can run ads and it's a shortcut, but you're paying for that. Or you could do it all organically, which is free, but it takes time. Or you could do it in a strategy in between the middle. Another thing that I would say, like uh, I, I have a great LinkedIn presence, but I have 150 followers on my Instagram for the business. It's terrible. I just started it like two months ago. Terrible. So what do I have to figure out? I can 
I know that Instagram Reels is the way to do it if I want to grow. And I can either learn to do the Reels by myself or I can pay um, I can pay someone, someone who's built a course, someone who's done this before, someone who has a proven track record that's outlined the strategies that's probably taken three to four years to build. And I can pay $500, $1,000, $300. I mean, there, there's the prices range all, all the way, right? And I can learn how to do it. And that would save me some time. Again, trading my money for their expertise that saves me time. That's to your to, to your answer your question, it does depend. And that's the question you have to do. Do I have all the time? Do I have all the money? Or where, where am I with you? And in your scenario, Shrey, what I would say is I actually just saw I love Austin Belsack and I'm a big fan of him. I he just launched a LinkedIn course. I think it cost six hundred dollars, right? It would probably take you three years to figure out what Austin figured out that he's selling for $600. I know you have a great job. I don't think $600. I think $600 might be a great investment for you. So good shout out to Austin because I don't have a LinkedIn course. So good shout out to him. I also saw somebody else who had a LinkedIn course for $200 that I bought three months ago uh, just to because I wanted to see what other people were saying about LinkedIn and to see how good is my strategy versus other experts. And and so I guess uh, that's a really long when they answer, but I hope that made sense. Yeah, I like that answer. Uh, that's a lot. The that answer is a lot better than mine. <laughs> Another question, uh, and then we'll kind of like end it because I think this um, we're running out of time. I want to be super respectful. Should your personal brand be the same as your career objectives or can they be different? That's a great question as well. Um, Honestly, your personal brand, that's a, that's something you have full creative control over. Now, if you want to use your personal brand to achieve your career objectives, then the two would probably be aligned. But it really depends on what you want out of it. If you want to create this personal brand, well, why are you even doing it in the first place? Is it to achieve those career objectives or is it for another reason? So I think that really depends on what your actual purpose is when you're creating a personal brand. If the career aspect of it is related, then it should be showcased in your personal brand because it's this tool to help you achieve that objective. But if it's not related, then, well, you could do your personal brand for whatever reason you might want to do. I think that's definitely a personal decision there. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting because we live in a world where like, we talk about work-life balance. I think work-life integration is really good, right? And so I think that you should add a little bit of your or personal interest on your LinkedIn, but maybe not as social as you would on your Instagram account. Mm -hmm. So I think it's finding what is the right image for you and what you're trying to uh, what you're trying to share. I think LinkedIn, you you probably should be about 75, 80% more on your career objective because that's what the platform is built on. And then maybe on Instagram, you're 75% not career objective unless you're trying to build a business out of there um and then it's 25 percent business or or more career so well and i say those ratios but i think it's all about you finding the right balance and also depends on the jobs you're going for and the industry you're going for i yeah. see that you are a social media social media director so for you um being on social media and, and any platform and talking about your like career might make sense right versus it might be different if you are um something else right a different a different um career so ultimately i think that's a great question uh, i don't know what the right answer is i think that it just truly depends on you but 
pretty much any answer anybody can ask, you can always say it depends. Mm -hmm. Which is always the worst answer, but in this case, I think it's the best answer. <laughs> <laughs> so we are out of time, but one last thing, is there uh, anything that you wanna share with the audience before we end this? Nothing in particular, but I just wanna you know, thank you for having me on. It was awesome talking about something that I think needs more eyes, you know, get the, get the message out there to the people that don't know about the value of personal branding. So if you learn something today to the audience, you know, write a post about it, get started on that journey, do something. I think that's, that's how we all get started. It's just like kind of like dipping into it and seeing what happens. Yes, absolutely. If you can, please, you know, obviously uh, we're in social media, we're trying to get as much engagement. Um, if you can, why don't you put in the chat your biggest takeaway from this conversation in the comment. And if you don't mind, share it or tag one or two of your friends that you think can add, gain value from watching this replay. Uh, thank you all so much for attending and for asking those great questions and being engaged with us. Uh, you are all amazing and we'll talk to you all later. Yeah. Bye everyone. You've been listening to How to Get a Job College Student Edition. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. And if you use Spotify, go ahead and give us a follow so you'll be notified whenever we upload. Until the next time, catch you guys on the next episode.